Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroesfilm.com to get tickets now. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Football Live. Eric Torres, Jason Martin, we are broadcasting live from the Tyrec.com studios. Tyrec.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. Tyrec.com, the way tire buying should be. As Steve DeSager just told you, the... Green Bay Packers just missed a field goal as we were coming on air. Would have made the score 21 to 17. Packers still though have or 24-17, excuse me. Packers still have a four-point lead, nine minutes to go, fourth quarter over the San Francisco 49ers. Jason Martin, do you have your Brock Purdy takes hot, heavy, and ready to go? What's going on, man? How you doing? Man, this is quite a game. It just <clears throat> I'm doing well. Uh it's cold here, but man, red hot out there. It's the weather hasn't been great certainly, but this is just a heavyweight fight between two really good football teams. Uh there's definitely flaws on both sides and we have seen those blemishes. In answer to your question, no, I don't have those hot takes. I think those hot takes need to be just thrown away. The highs and the lows. Whatever you want to say about him being MVP, whatever you want to say about him being out of the league, it's all ridiculous. Anybody can have a bad game. He hadn't had a great game. He has made a couple of throws, certainly, in this game. A couple that you wouldn't have expected, necessarily, him to complete. He's missed a few as well. Uh, this is, again, just going to, because of where he was drafted, I've said this before, because of where he was drafted, anytime he has a bad game, it's going to be the, I told you so, he's not an NFL quarterback. And that's ridiculous. 
He's also not Lamar Jackson. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen. He's not one of those. He's not C.J. Stroud. He's not one of those guys. He's a guy that fits in an offense, that goes and does what he's asked to do, and at times that's really, really good, and at times it's just enough, and we'll see whether or not it's one of those or if it's the other one, which is occasionally you need him to go win a game, and he's not really the guy to go do that either. But I don't think – I think the hot takes are – I just think they expose – rash thinking i think there is nuance to brock purdy i think brock purdy is a test case of why nuance matters and should matter in all kinds of discourse 21 17 is the score uh san francisco does have the ball uh under six minutes to go now second and three um let's talk about this really quick so so you say nuance matters and, and i agree um what what about nuance? Like, and we're gonna have three hours to talk about this. And, yeah, and for the sure. record, San Francisco could come back and win. It is third and one. Should reference also as DeSager just told you, Baltimore won the early game, thirty-four to ten. We'll have plenty of reaction to that. When you say nuance matters with Brock Purdy, go ahead and give that explanation for the audience that isn't able to watch this game right now. He's going to make some throws and miss some throws. He made an incredible throw to Juwan Jennings on a third down while he was under pressure and got knocked down. And then he has, you know, shot the ball over a couple of receivers in this game. He's been off tonight uh, with his receivers the way he – like you've seen him in synergy and you've seen him really in rhythm. I haven't felt like he's been in rhythm. And I think some of the credit to that needs to go to Green Bay's defense that has stepped up over the past couple of weeks and and shown their mettle. But – it's just an offense that it hasn't felt like it's been fully in sync. They've had a couple of weeks off. Sometimes that can be an issue for a number one seed. But Brock Purdy is a guy that sometimes makes some spectacular things happen, but sometimes he doesn't. He can go have a bad game here and there, and he certainly can have a spot where he's just kind of very either inefficient or just kind of he's just kind of out there, but he's not somebody who's going to win or lose you a football game. But I still think that. I think it's crazy to overreact to anything he does and just look at look at Kyle Shanahan's system and look how he operates it and look how his teammates react to him and I just I think it is I think it's a disservice to Brock Purdy not to see what he does right and see what he does wrong and understand that there's a balance there as opposed to he's trash I told you so <laughs> because he was drafted last and not in the first round or, man, he's an MVP candidate. I don't think that was ever something that needed to be talked about, but I also think the I told you so's need to go away. Well, and I think a lot of the context that you didn't hit on, for, um, first of all, we just had a drop right at midfield that would have been first down, hit George Kittle in the hands, so that's nuance number one. Nuance number two, Debo Samuel is out for the game. Um, he yep. went out early with a head injury. I did not see – he did come back in, but I believe uh, – Jason, correct me if I'm wrong, he left – is it? I assume it was the head injury that he that went out. Happened. He went out twice. Yes, and then they finally ruled him out in yes. the third quarter. But he was ineffective when he came back the first time. Well, and, and I think these are the nuanced things that matter. And again, we'll have the For next sure, three yeah. hours to talk about it. But um, no Debo Samuel. I think it's important. The offensive line has not played well tonight. No. You know, he keeps getting hit uh, in the pocket. By the way, he does complete the first down with a very nice pass to Brandon Ayuk. You are way ahead of me. It's kind of incredible. I just saw the kid will drop. Okay, well, live I, here. I, I apologize. We are in the future where it that's lo- wild. It looks like there is a first down. By the way, really quickly, we need to get get focused here. Uh, everything okay? Uh, Nashville and t- Tennessee has been hit by weather. Day after day, I heard our buddy Clay Travis say he basically hasn't have left the house all week. Everything yep. okay there? Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's as okay as it can be, just being as cold as it's been. Like, I haven't left either. I, I left uh, once because I, there was a health issue with my family and an emergency situation. I had to had to leave and try to handle that amidst the weather midweek. Um, outside of that, that's been it. And uh, it's it's an ice sheet, basically. You skate yeah. if you leave my driveway right now. So it's it, everything's cool, and literally and figuratively. It's just been uh, – it's definitely been one of those – it feels very cabin feverish, let's say that. My, my daughter hadn't left this week, so I've been with her all week long. Uh, and it's just been a lot of family time here. Um, but yeah, we're okay. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, I'm glad to hear that, you know, I have a lot of friends in that area and a lot of them have not left the house. And, uh, for people who don't know a lot of ice, a lot of snow, um, you know, and obviously the infrastructure is not really built, uh, to handle that. Uh, it is worth noting, by the way, in this game, back to back first downs for San Francisco, they are, I want to say like inside the 30 ish. I'm trying to see here, trying to look for a spot. Uh, that would be pretty close yeah. based on the catch I just saw. They're pretty close to the 30. So, yeah, yeah I mean, they're, they're moving the ball, and with about three minutes left, I mean, this can still very much end with yeah. a, a San Francisco drive. Yeah, so they are actually just inside the 20, so they're in the red zone. They're down four, so being in field goal range really doesn't matter, although they do have all three timeouts, and in theory – uh, do have the two-minute warning as well. San Francisco trailing Green Bay 21-17. to And so we'll see what happens, Jason, but I, I, I think all of the nuance that we said mattered is one – uh, uh, Debo Samuel's been banged up. He's out. He and he has been out for most of the second half, completely out in street clothes. Two, the offensive line has not played very well. And no. I'll say this too. I think this is important to know. And by the way, this isn't going to be for people who are anti Brock Purdy. If San Francisco does lose, and even if by the way they come back and win, this isn't going to be a three hour Brock Purdy excuse fest. But, no, not at all. Yeah, but our our job is to contextualize things for people who are are in cars, are driving, are at work that aren't watching this game live. And I guess what I would say is, depending on what happens, we, we have hit the two-minute warning. Green Bay is in the red zone. They trail by 421-17. to 17. If San Francisco does not come back and win this game, and by the way, even if they do, because there's going to be plenty of questions about Brock Purdy, even if they do, I, I would sit here and say this is a joint team effort if they do lose. As I said, uh, Debo Samuel, you're obviously not going to blame him for getting injured, but he has been out most of the second half. The offensive line has not been good. And then I think the other thing is the green, uh, or excuse me, the San Francisco defense, which has obviously been elite all season long, 136 yards ru- rushing allowed, five yards per carry. You know, Jordan Love. I, you know, I, I think we as a society were so quick to just rush to everything. Jordan Love has been good. I don't know that he's been great, but Jordan Love's been good. Really, it's been the run game that that has been really effective uh, for Green Bay. Uh, as we said, we just crossed the two-minute warning here, but that that's the bigger picture, Jason, is it, whatever result it is, I think you could say that I don't think San Francisco has been great in any one spot, offensive line, defense, run game, pass game. Um, and we'll see what happens here as, the, as we are, as I said, at the two-minute warning, uh, San Francisco trying to take the lead, trailing 21-17. to 17. Yeah, I mean, that's right. Um, the defensive point is certainly accurate. And <clears throat> look, uh, this is a defense that you, you talked about Jordan Love tonight. Jordan Love's been fine. He's he's been fine. He hasn't he's made one mistake, but he threw two touchdowns in the game and he's been pretty efficient. Last week he was great against a Dallas defense that was highly touted. So I think the biggest winner and one of the guys whose stock has risen the most is Matt LaFleur. 
as a play caller and the way that he's run the offense. Now, we've all, all heard plenty about Shanahan, but Jordan Love is running an offense that is incredibly well put together by Matt LaFleur. Maybe the, mo- maybe the most wrong I've ever been in my entire career was saying Matt LaFleur would not be a good head coach after watching him not be a very good offensive coordinator here in Tennessee. Maybe that was a function of uh, the personnel and learning on the job or, or whatever it was that he was doing he had to grow, but he's there now. I mean, he, this isn't the Aaron Rodgers gets all the credit time anymore. Like, what he's done now, this is impressive. And I do think that we have seen enough to say that the Jordan Love, betting on Jordan Love, was not a bad decision by Green Bay either. Uh, whether We don't know what his career is going to be, but you can understand now why they were excited about Jordan Love. Zero doubt, zero doubt. By the way, uh, Brock Purdy did just pick up, uh, did just pick up a big scramble play, set him up on third and one, right on the goal line, and Christian McCaffrey has run the ball in. San Francisco has taken the lead, twenty-three to twenty-one, extra point pending, one oh seven left in this game, Jason. So. Don't want to get too high, don't want to get too low. There's a minute left. Uh, Jordan Love has been very good. Um, But you know what? I'll tell you what. San Francisco's up 23-21, extra point pending. This is what we're going to do. We'll come back. We'll react to this, the final minute of this game. San Francisco does nail the PAT, so they have a three-point lead one minute to go. We'll come back. We'll get you caught up on the final in this game as San Francisco has taken a three-point lead one minute to go, 24-21. Green Bay does have all three timeouts. So what happens with Green Bay? We'll discuss that next. Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. 
Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, broadcasting live from the Tyrac.com studios. We should mention, shortly after the show, our podcast will be going up if you missed any of today's show, and we're going to have a lot to talk about. Be sure to check out the podcast. Search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to also follow, rate, and review the podcast. Again, just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see this show posted right after we get off air. Jason... While we were in commercial break, we got ourselves a final in San Francisco. So the right before we went to break, the uh, the San Francisco 49ers drove the length of the field, went up 24 to 21 on a Christian McCaffrey rushing touchdown, his second rushing touchdown of the game. Green Bay gets the ball back all three timeouts. Uh, they do convert one first down. And then after that, a a Dre Greenlaw interception. His second interception of the game seals the victory for the San Francisco 49ers. 24-21 is your final score. San Francisco survives. San Francisco will advance to their fourth NFC Championship game in the last five years. San Francisco survives, Jason. First initial reaction, it's so fun being on air at times like this. What's your first initial reaction? I mean, initial reaction is sometimes you don't play your best and you still find a way. And a lot of teams that it feels like it's meant to be go through experiences like that. Mm -hmm. Usually it's not just smooth sailing all the way through a season. You have to run through something where it's arguable and you can throw it out there. And we maybe shouldn't have won that game. But then you find a way anyway, and that becomes part of your story. And maybe that's what's going to happen. Like San Francisco's got two more games. Uh, Assuming they get through the NFC Championship game, they'll have a tough AFC opponent left as well. Um, They didn't play their best tonight. They didn't. We talked about it. We laid that out. The offensive line wasn't great. The defense was not that great, uh, especially early in the game. And Purdy was off. But you still won the game. And I think the the initial takeaway just for Packers fans is this. Y'all are going to be good. You're already good. I think you're ahead of schedule. I think that Jordan Love can be something in the future for you because he's already something for you in the present. He, he answered most of the critics. That's a very young football team that is going to be good for a while 
that has some money they can spend. Uh, they're in good shape. So this was this felt like the future. Like obviously, San Francisco's been the present for a while. But Green Bay, it felt like maybe there was going to be a rebuild. No, uh-uh. Like you, you've got two bona fide, just big time teams right now in that division well, okay. with them in Detroit. Let, let's start from the San Francisco perspective. We can get to Green Bay in a minute. San Francisco is the victor. Um, you know, history is written by the victors, as they say. And I, that that is my big takeaway. Jason is exactly what you just said. So again, San Francisco wins twenty four to twenty one. Game time. Uh, get, go ahead, drive with under two minutes to go. A a a long Brock Purdy run. A couple big Brock Purdy throws. Back to back first downs, and then a big run sets up third and one, about four or five yard line. Christian McCaffrey punches it in, and to me, that's the takeaway. Is I know, as we said to lead the show. There's a lot of anti-Brock Purdy people out there. And, and listen, everyone's entitled to their opinions. You know, one thing about uh, me, and I know you're the same way, is, you know, listen, people can see things differently. That's okay. I bring it up because I know everybody had their Brock Purdy takes lined up, and he's this, and he's that, and you can't do this, and you can't do that. Well, two things. One, he made the plays when he absolutely needed to. Two, I don't understand why he is criticized for being uh, for having so much talent around him. By the way, Jordan Love, not quite on that rookie contract because he got the extension, but there's a lot of really talented players around him. Whatever, you get the point. Whoever, I can't. C.J. Stroud, nobody blames him. Nobody blamed Joe Burrow when he was on a rookie contract. Nobody blamed Justin Herbert when he was on a rookie contract. So that's one, is... I don't understand where the negativity comes from, but then two, most importantly, is exactly what you just said. Great teams find ways to win when they don't play their best games. And I look at this game, Brock Purdy wasn't great, uh, the O-line wasn't great, the run game largely wasn't great. And I'll say this too, I don't think the defense was great for large stretches, but to their credit, two second half forced interceptions on Jordan Love, they get the win. I don't think, you know, listen, I'm not I'm not a coach, but I think when when San Francisco goes back and grades this tape, I don't think any unit, any group, any player except maybe Dre Greenlaw will grade out as an A++++ for this game. But you find a way to advance, you find a way to win, and you're now headed to the NFC Championship game. We don't know who you're going to play, but you're going to host it, Jason. Yeah, and right. Yeah, nobody played particularly well tonight for San Francisco, and they still end up winning this game. They were my pick to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC from before the season. It's because they had so many horses. They didn't need an A-plus to beat everybody. They didn't because their B-plus was going to be better than most teams' A's. And that's you didn't get a full A from Green Bay because you got a couple of mistakes from a young quarterback who also played well at times. But that last interception, you're not going to judge their whole season or his career on that. But that's something you got to learn from. You got to learn that cross that cross field throw is just not one you can pull off in the NFL unless you get incredibly lucky or your name happens to be Mahomes. So that's and that's a throw he didn't have to make, and I'm sure he's the first one to know that. But that might be the mentality that he plays with some of the time. And so that's going to be teachable, and that's there's there's a lot there. But for San Francisco on a night like this to win, coming off of maybe a little rust, and Green Bay riding high after knocking Dallas out at home the way that they did, and then coming into that building and you got the weather, and you've just got as – it, as it goes on, as a game goes on and it stays tight, all the pressure moves from the underdog to the favorite. At that point in time – 
the underdog can play a little freer. So the favorite still finds a way to win the football game and advance in a scenario where you know they easily could have lost. And I think that's what shows you how good a football team San Francisco actually is because they didn't have to take their best shot to win this game. They got a couple of things that went their way, and they did what they had to do at the end. And the the Brock Purdy talent around him argument that you were making, I mean, that goes for virtually everybody. Mm-hmm. It really does. I mean, how, how much were we really talking about Josh Allen before Stephon Diggs got to Buffalo. Great call. And, this, and we could talk about this for virtually every quarterback throughout time. All of them had talent around them. They all did. And this is, again, not the excuse fest for Brock Purdy. I'm not trying to put Brock Purdy in a class of elite quarterbacks. I'm just saying you've got to evaluate him the same way you evaluate everybody else. You can't just all of a sudden expect and and basically grade him on a reverse curve because he was the last pick in the draft. That's the thing that to me is both lazy and deficient. If you're trying to analyze Brock Purdy, analyze what he's actually doing, irrespective of when he was drafted, because the second he got into a game and started playing in the NFL, all of that goes out the window. Like, I, I heard the same argument. It's same topic here. I heard the same argument about Dak Prescott. This is why he was a fourth-rounder instead of the guys that have been drafted in the first round. And all this is like, no, 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 no. Once you're in the NFL, you're in the NFL. If you're one of the starters in the NFL, there's a reason for it. So I think that you need to start evaluating them on a different plane and and not live on the prejudices of the past based on where they were drafted. Don't disagree, but I will ask you as a quick follow-up. Does this concern you all? I mean, and and the reason I ask is obviously, look, even though you find a way to win, and and again, it is worth noting for people who weren't watching the game, Brock Purdy on that final drive delivered. Yes, he did. Yeah, he delivered a a, a pair of first down throws, one on a third and long in a situation where George Kittle had just dropped a pass right before it, uh, finishes 23 of 39, 252 yards, so far from a perfect performance from him. I, I guess the only question I would have is, do you worry at all whether it's him or the team going forward? Obviously, you're going to, you know, listen, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but it looks as though you will likely play a Detroit team that's really good at the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, really kind of fast, aggressive defense. And then obviously, you know, could potentially face a Baltimore team that gave you fits uh, about three weeks ago on Christmas Day. Does the performance at all worry you or is it just, uh, you know, just survive in advance and get better for next week? I mean, I I do think that you have to you have to evaluate what happened. I mean, Purdy did not play well. The team didn't play well. You can certainly take it apart, and you have to be better. Like you you can't expect to walk in with that effort week after week, especially in January and advance. So no, you can't be complacent about it. I think this is the one where you wipe your brow and you go, "Whew, man." I don't know how, but we pulled that one off, and then you move on and you go back to playing the best version of San Francisco 49ers football that you can because you still have the opportunity to keep playing. If you put that effort out there next week, you know, eventually that's going to bite you. But, yeah, I, to answer your question, you absolutely can be and should be concerned with what you saw even though you got the win because I think in the back of their minds, especially as they watch the tape, they'll realize – it's possible Green Bay lost this thing more than we won it. But ultimately, 
it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like there's, it, it doesn't matter. Like you can talk about, well, this, the, actually the Packers outplayed him. Well, who cares? I know what the scoreboard says at the end. That's the only thing that is relevant whatsoever in this situation. And really that goes for Purdy too, because the lasting impression of the game is Purdy uh, being at the head of that drive that gave them the lead with barely enough time left to do anything and led to that final turnover. So the whole thing, it comes down to what the scoreboard says. And the scoreboard says the 49ers are playing football next week. They won't be happy with the effort. And if they come back with that against the Lions, for example, I think they lose. All right. That is the San Francisco perspective on this game. And obviously, look, we got two and a half more hours. We'll have plenty more on Purdy and the 49ers. Up next, though, we are going to talk about the Packers. Uh, glasses half full. Uh, you know, the future is bright. Or did you let this game get away? We'll discuss that next. Before we do, though, first time this evening, Steve DeSager. What is trending at 1132 Eastern Time, DeSager? This great playoff game, that's what's trending. And you're right on both counts. It seems very much like Green Bay lost this game. And San Francisco's going to be hosting the NFC title game, and that's that. They're 13-5 and now this season. But the Packers, the last team into the postseason this year, did this in this playoff tonight. Punted only one time. Had only one penalty. Their first three drives tonight at San Francisco got into the red zone each time. During the game, took the lead three different times and lost, and the season is over. Niners 24-21 the final. San Francisco led at halftime 7-6. Green Bay 10-9 to finish up. Well, we had that stat that got talked about more than once on the broadcast, more than once on the previous show here. The 49ers under Kyle Shanahan were winless when down by five points or more going into a fourth quarter. Oh, and 30. And yet they came back and won this one. Christian McCaffrey, two touchdown runs in the second half, including the game winner with 107 to go. He had 17 carries, 98 yards on the ground. So Shanahan now head-to-head against Matt LaFleur keeps beating him. 3-0 and in the playoffs. That already ties the playoff record. Most wins without a loss against a single coach. And we can update a stat we talked about on last Sunday night show here on Fox Sports Radio. Most playoff wins in NFL history. Granted, there are more rounds, for example, these days, but the 49ers franchise is now tied for first. 37 playoff wins all time. Packers still with 37. Patriots 37. Cowboys still have 36. Steelers still have 36. So the Niners are yet again in the NFC Championship game. In fact, they are the first team to make three straight NFC title games since they did it with Jim Harbaugh as coach a decade ago. That'll be on Fox TV the final Sunday in January. No more rain in San Francisco then. NFC Championship game. Niners hosting, we'll find out, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Sunday, January 28th on Fox TV. Detroit hosts Tampa Bay tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And there's an AFC game tomorrow night, Sunday, 6.30 p.m. Buffalo will host Kansas City. Temperature under 25 degrees for that game. In Baltimore today, 27 degrees. Ravens eliminated Houston 34-10. That game was tied 10-10 at the half. Lamar Jackson, two touchdown passes, two touchdown runs. Better weather next weekend in Baltimore as well. They'll have the early game Sunday the 28th. AFC Championship will start at 3 p.m. Eastern time that day. By the way, a note about Buffalo. The Bills cut punter Matt Hawk today from the practice squad. 
So I guess the regular punter Sam Martin's okay with the hamstring. He was listed as questionable. In college basketball, number one UConn played a thriller on FS1, winning by a point at Villanova 66-65. West Virginia beat number three Kansas 91-85. Pittsburgh tonight got a win at number seven Duke 80-76. Texas on a basket at the buzzer edge number nine Baylor 75-73. In the NHL, Boston at home 9-4 over Montreal. And the Edmonton Oilers have won 12 straight. They're tied late second period at Calgary, 1-1. Ravens and 49ers, your playoff winners for this Saturday. Two more games in the divisional round tomorrow. Back to you. Thank you very much, Steve Sager. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. And Fox Football Live as well. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, broadcasting live from the Tyrac.com studios. Did you know Discover wants everyone to feel special? That's why with your Discover credit card, you have access to 24-7 customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you'll never be held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. All right, Jason, let's look at things from the other perspective. Again, for people just joining us, as DeSager just told you, San Francisco, the 49ers, survived 24-21 to is the final score. By the way, Hour 2 will have plenty of reaction to the first game of the day as Baltimore beats uh, Houston 34-10 to in that one. Uh, but let's stay with this game, and let's talk about it from the Packers' perspective because, as DeSager said, they did have the lead very late into the game Um, you know you go ahead and look at the box score it was essentially even in terms of yardage Uh, they ran the ball at will the difference was at the end of the day two second half interceptions for for Jordan Love including one that sealed the game my question for you you know it's crazy and I'll I'll add this too you and I haven't been on air since the the Dallas game last Sunday Mm -hmm. where they obviously had that incredible victory at Jerry World so what do you make of this for the San Francisco for for the excuse me for the Green Bay Packers now as they get set to go into the offseason San Francisco with the 24 to 21 win Jays I don't believe in windows but if you do they have one because they have the youngest team in the NFL you see the weapons that are already developed. You see a quarterback that looks like he's one of the guys, like looks like he can play. You've got a, a still a very young head coach who is really coming into his own, especially as a play caller now, and is no longer going to be kind of in the shadow of a Hall of Fame quarterback. You just have a solid organization, and I think that you – got further already it was it was a house money-ish kind of situation there's a couple of those this year where like like the texans anybody upset because of what happened there no because they weren't supposed to be in the first place green bay a lot of people thought could have finished last in that division depending on what jordan love was going to be and that's not what you got you got a heavyweight fight on the road against maybe the best team in the nfl and you almost pulled it off i don't think you can go away from this with anything negative apart from your rookie kicker is not very good he missed five extra points during a regular season he missed six field goals and he missed a crucial field goal for you in this game late that would have made it uh, a much tougher scenario and probably would have put the thing in overtime and unfortunately that's not how it goes uh so i think that's probably something you got to evaluate but past that you've got a lot of guys that are playing really good football that can be there for a while. And it's I think it's a net positive. I just feel like I know that you still want to play, and if you're a Packers fan, you're still sad because you lost tonight. 
but I think most of them before the season didn't see themselves being anywhere close to this. So this this has to be an optimistic feeling for the Packers. I know it is for me as a neutral observer on the outside. This is this is far better than I thought they had any business being before the season. So I agree on all accounts, <laughs> and I and I know what you were just saying there, Jason. I'll take it a step further. I don't even think it was far better than we expected before the season. I mean, far better than we expected. What at the midway point of the season? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, like like I remember being on air with uh, Dan Byer on Thanksgiving Day, and we were coming on either right after that game or maybe it was the fourth quarter when it was clear they were going to win. But you're like, oh my goodness, this this team just it, it felt like it was a moment. Um, and then obviously after that, they you know they they had their ups and downs. It really, I think, it was the combination of the Thanksgiving Day win in Detroit, followed by that Sunday night win uh, against Kansas City. But no, I'm with you, man. And you know, I don't like. It, it's interesting on Jordan Love. As a matter of fact, I, I have a thought on Jordan Love. I'll tell you what. We will come back. We will react to that because there there is something on Jordan Love that I want to dive into a little bit deeper. San Francisco does hold on to win twenty four to twenty one, but I think it's just as much of the story as San Francisco's win is what Green Bay has shown us over the last two weeks. We'll discuss that next. Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. Busy night. Two NFL playoff games are final. In the early one, Baltimore beats Houston 34-10. We will recap that at the top of the next hour. Want to stick with this one, Jason, for a minute because, listen, I, I agree with everything you said before the break, is that, listen... Uh, anytime your season ends, at least in the playoffs, I mean, if you go 3-14, and 14, you probably just want your season to end. But anytime it ends in the playoffs, it's always tough. And I think Green Bay, it's especially tough because this was one of those games. Like, Houston, you can kind of hang your head high. Like, you got the most out of the season, whatever. Um, but this is one I think Green Bay fans can legitimately feel like they should have won and did not win. But at the same time... Um, I'm with you is that I don't know how you can't look at this as a positive in terms of all of the young guys that that have emerged over the course of the year, obviously headlined by Jordan Love. You go across the the receiver core, um, you know, defense. It's just it's 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 very exciting. The, The only thought I really had and I don't really know if this is a take or whatever, but I was thinking about this is that Jordan Love is awesome. He also, what is this, year four for him as far as, you know, uh, you know, sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. I do wonder, like, I understand the idea of getting a guy on a rookie contract with superstars around him and you can kind of build out the roster. I still think more teams, I, I just, I, I watch Jordan Love and I watch how much more confident he got over the season. I think a lot of it is a credit to Matt LaFleur. A lot of it is a credit to him as a player. I also wonder, like, how many guys in the last couple of years have we chewed up and spit out that if they got a year or two, like in the old days, would have been much more successful than they ended up being? I'm just going to use a few examples: Justin Fields, you know, Zach, you know, Justin Fields, who's probably going to be traded this offseason, Zach Wilson, da 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 da, this and that. Some of them would have still been busts, but I just look at Jordan Love, and I still think, to a degree, that's the blueprint. Look across the league. Patrick Mahomes had plenty of time. Lamar Jackson really didn't start his rookie year. Uh, Jordan Love had success tonight. And and it's just, I, I just think, I don't know. I know it was a unique situation. I know you drafted him thinking Aaron Rodgers was on the way out. He has a couple uh, uh, MVP seasons. But that looked like a guy that got confident as the year went on, but he was never overwhelmed as a guy that was in his fourth year in the league. It was just something I was thinking about watching that game. So, so you're arguing that I just you think want to sit him for a little while. Is that I, that's yeah? What you're it was just it, it was just. Work. I mean, thought. that was the old style. This is that's the, what I mean. New. And, yeah, and, and, yeah. I, and I and I get the notion, and, and I've talked to all sorts of guys. Not only you, but I remember having this conversation with Bucky Brooks at one point, where I was like, mm-hmm. "Why don't more teams do the Mahomes? Let a guy sit for a year?" He's like, "Well, the the rookie contract is so valuable, and I get that." But I just think we rush so many guys, throw them right into the fire, and it's like I know you can't save everybody till year four. That's not realistic. But I look at Jordan Love, and like you know, he was a first round pick, and if he was a first round pick with whoever, he would have been thrown in the fire game one, and he got till year four, plenty of time, was behind a a, a, a future Hall of Famer. I get that. 
I get that not every situation is you wait till year four to play a guy. But I do just wonder how many guys' careers would have been different, how many draft picks would have gone differently if they had a little bit of time and just weren't thrown into the fire the second they were drafted. That, that, yeah, that's the only no, question. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a reason why it was done a certain way for a long time. Um, the rookie contract being so valuable, which I like the way that you put that, because it's only valuable, Aaron, if the player is ready. Because if he's not, it's not worth anything. You might be destroying his confidence, but throwing him out there, I don't care if you're paying him very, very little if you're not winning anyway. Like, if he's not ready and you don't give him an opportunity to develop, then I don't care if he's a dollar for his contract. That's not beneficial to you. You should play him when he is actually going to benefit the football team. That doesn't mean that you don't throw somebody out there and let them, you know, take some lumps, but it does mean. I do think that for a while, the idea of the Joe Burrow or the Justin Herbert or the Trevor Lawrence or whoever it's going to be, that like the expectation wasn't. For a long time, it was not. These rookie quarterbacks are immediately going to be starters. Exactly. And now it is. And I don't know that the, the hit rate is any better than it was then. We have seen, I do think, because the college offense and the pro offense has become a lot more similar. Like, you don't see a whole lot of teams running the wishbone in college football anymore, and the option is not really a thing. So stuff has changed both ways. And so I do think guys are leaving college and are a little bit more prepared for the game in the NFL. What they have to get used to is the speed and the processing. But... And maybe that does lead you to, to want some of this. But the rookie contract, I, I don't care what you're paying them if they're not ready. That's the thing. And so you look at the Jordan Loves. You look at the Patrick Mahomes. You look at the Aaron Rodgers, who you know didn't start immediately either. Um, you look at some of these success stories, and you say, well, what are these guys – what do these have in common? Well, we know sitting behind Brett Favre, sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, and being on a you know well-run organization with a solid head coach – but think about the Mahomes experiment, particularly. So he maybe. sat behind Alex Smith. Why did he sit behind Alex Smith? Well, two reasons. One, they were going to ease him in. And two, Alex Smith was perfect for him. Because Alex Smith did not possess the arm. He did not possess the talent. Like, just as a pure passer, he was not Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes had the tangible stuff. But what Alex Smith, and our, our uh, colleague Jeff Schwartz is the first one that alerted me to this years ago, and of course his brother Mitchell played with Kansas City for his whole career. And he said, look, the thing about Alex Smith that makes you love Alex Smith is that Alex Smith, to stay in the league, after at one point being the overall number one pick for the 49ers, and, and it just not working out, Alex Smith had to learn yes. how to be a quarterback. He had to learn the playbook. He had to get good at the intangibles. He had to work on his leadership. He had to understand defenses and be able to read faster, understand everything that his coaches were looking for so that he could stay relevant because he didn't have all of the talent in the world. So imagine if you take the skill set of Patrick Mahomes and then let someone as humble but also as football intelligent because he had to be, as Alex Smith be the guy that then brings him along, you know what you get out of that? A multi-time NFL MVP who's won multiple Super Bowls already in his career. Yeah, and I'm just looking across really quick, right? And by the way, there's a lot of examples just like that. Tomorrow, how about that Tampa-Detroit game where it's like two guys that were thrown into the fire early, mm-hmm. Um 
you know, Goff just probably wasn't ready. Uh, Baker, I don't know if you could say he wasn't ready because, you know, he, some of his best football was as a rookie. Um, but it took him two or three stops. And then you look at Mahomes had a year. Lamar basically had a year. Uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, just because of draft position, really wasn't asked to start until his second or third year. So I don't – it was just something I was thinking about is – I love Jordan Love. And by the way, credit to him. I hope this doesn't come off as I'm disrespecting him or I don't believe in him or I'm. Welcome in, everybody. Hour two, Torres and Martin, Fox Sports Radio. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, Free road hazard protection and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. If you missed any of hour one, we did a deep dive into the San Francisco 49ers victory over the Green Bay Packers. 24 to 21 was the score in San Francisco. We'll get back to that game momentarily, Jason. But do want to go ahead and um, do want to go ahead and uh, get to the first game of the night, which of course was the Baltimore Ravens, the other one seed, of course, in the AFC, taking on the Houston Texans. I don't know what there really is to say here. Baltimore wins thirty-four to ten. And, uh, you know, listen, it was close for about a half. It was kind of shaping up to be, uh, at first, you kind of thought, is this another weird Lamar Jackson playoff game? You know, they were struggling. They weren't really moving the ball. And then, I, you know, I don't really know what else there is to add. Like, they just wore down the Houston Texans in the second half. I got a couple things. Go ahead. Lay it on me. All the floor is yours. This game turned twice. It felt like Baltimore was playing well early, and then you had the big punt return for touchdown Yes, for Houston. And then late in the half, after Houston's defense had kind of stymied Lamar a few times, you had Stroud and Nico Collins connect a couple of times. They get down the field. I think Schultz dropped a pass, but then he caught the next one similar to the Kittle play in the in the second game where they got the first down right after that. You get in position for a field goal that would give you a three-point lead, likely, going into the half. I think there was about 40 seconds left afterwards, and Fairbairn uh, misses it. I think the momentum changed twice. Sure. I felt like Houston came alive after the punt return. And then if you go to the half 13-10, I just feel like there's a different feeling. But instead, you felt like you left points on the board against a team you really can't afford to do that against. Because for one thing, you know their kicker is never going to leave points on the board. And secondarily, you've got to find a way to get a lead on Lamar Jackson to have any kind of a shot. I felt like those that was a deflating moment. The second was, was a deflating moment. And here's my other takeaway quickly. This was an incredibly important game for Lamar Jackson. And, you know, you can look at the futility that he's experienced in the playoffs and the way that they've had early exits. And he had done nothing for the most part going into this season or going into this postseason in terms of what he's done in January. It just hasn't been very impressive. And I've long wondered how much of that is him and how much of that is Greg Roman. Well, what you saw today was four touchdowns from Lamar Jackson, two on the ground, two through the air. It wasn't the best game I've ever seen him play, but it showcased why all of the rigmarole 
in the offseason last year to get him paid was worth it for the Baltimore Ravens. And then you put a master class out there defensively uh, and, and really stymied the Texans in the second half. You you rode that momentum into the second half, but this was about Lamar because the narrative coming out of this was going to be about Lamar Jackson. This was going to be a pass or fail on Lamar because it was the playoffs and because that had kind of become the story. And he answered a lot of critics here because that is why you pay the man and that is why he said he was driven this year to win. He knows what this means. This means a lot to his legacy. Is he a regular season guy or is he somebody that can get it done? And what you saw today was you'd better strap it on real, real tight. Put that helmet on real, real tight if you're going to beat Lamar Jackson because, quite frankly, they look really good on both sides of the ball, and he is balling right now. Yeah, I think that's probably my biggest takeaway as well. Not so much that, but it's like, you know, first of all, I don't really believe, and this is like maybe uh, one of my craziest takes, like I don't really believe, I, I believe that the the narrative about Lamar Jackson haters is much bigger than the amount of actual Lamar Jackson haters. Like like even people that, that late into the season said he shouldn't be MVP, whatever. So you're basically arguing he sh- he's like the second best player in the league. Like I thought it should have been Christian McCaffrey up until probably about Christmas night. Yeah. But it wasn't like I ever thought Lamar Jackson stunk. And I also thought, for the most part, like the playoff stuff was largely overblown. Like, you know, first year, okay, well, you know, t- taking out the rookie year, but like the first year when he wins the MVP, they get the one seed, they get upset. Okay, that's obviously bad, but he's a super young quarterback. Comes back the next year, wins a playoff game, then loses a game that he's supposed to. This was kind of the year where, okay, like, and we talked about this probably two or three weeks ago when they clinched the number one seed, is this was kind of the year, okay, you got to do something, is, uh, you know, Burrow's hurt, Mahomes clearly with the Chiefs, is not Mahomes, but the Chiefs clearly aren't what they've been, you're going to have home field advantage, Trevor Lawrence was hurt, didn't even make the playoffs, like, you go on and on down the list, everything, you know, uh, lined up nicely for you, but I do feel like the narrative was largely overblown, but what I would also say is, as far as as the, the Ravens are concerned, I feel like coming out of those final few weeks of the season, like, like I'll be honest, I thought the, the super casual, like, I don't really know what I'm watching take about the Ravens is, oh, Lamar Jackson's MVP, and like anybody who doesn't understand that is an idiot that doesn't understand football. But I think the people that like were watching the games and understood what they were watching was like, the defense is amazing, and that was my big takeaway from today was Lamar was great. This isn't to say that Lamar wasn't great, but the run game overwhelmed them, and the defense overwhelmed them, and if they get to a Super Bowl, it's not just because Lamar is a one-man unstoppable machine. It's because you have a defense that forced, what, four or five turnovers against San Francisco a few weeks ago. They were great again tonight, and the run game, including Lamar Jackson, just wore down the Texans late. Uh, I guess that's a very long-winded way of me saying, uh, I I think that's my big takeaway. This is a really complete team. Everybody wants to make everything about Lamar, but it's about Lamar, but it's also about the defense. It's also about the offensive coordinator not putting Lamar in position to have to do everything himself, and I think we saw that all tonight. All that's true. Even so, it was going to be about Lamar. Like, everything you just said is accurate, but, but isn't the story that was of going to be about Lamar But isn't that every anyway. quarterback, though? Yeah, ex- yes, it is, but here's why it's a little bit different. It's not necessarily because of on the field. 
it's because of the discourse surrounding his contract and the way he's been injured and the way that he didn't play at the end of last year. And we have people on this network saying he would never play for Baltimore again. And we spent week after week after week trying to parse, what's he doing without an agent and all of these other kinds of things. There's so much that goes into the Lamar Jackson story into this season where this was definitely a prove-it year for Lamar Jackson. You're right. The defense was outstanding against a good young Houston Texans team and a great young quarterback in C.J. Stroud today. And and McDonald has, has pitched a lot of shutouts this, this year, it feels like. like a, he has been outstanding as a D.C. It's why he's getting a lot of head coaching interviews. But I, I, I think that no matter what happened, it was going to be about Lamar. I mean, were they saying the Colts can't win in January or Peyton Manning can't win a Super Bowl? They were talking about Peyton Manning. It's the exact same thing. Well, what what would have happened if San Francisco lost tonight? It wouldn't have been, oh, the O-line couldn't block for Brock Purdy. It would have been no, Brock I know. Purdy stinks. Yeah, that's right. Again, though, I think it's I think it's the other stuff. I think it is you paid him, and he hasn't proven anything in the playoffs. And he came out there, and, and if he came out there and lost, it would have been about him. They wouldn't have made excuses and talked about the defense. The whole thing would have been about, see, you can't win like this. In in January, this isn't how you win. You win with defense. You win with running the ball. All this other kind of stuff. But like, Lamar Jackson would have been the one that took the blame. I don't disagree with anything that you're saying, but I do think the way that Lamar's story evolved once he went down, and then it became the contract dispute thing. I think that changes everything surrounding this, and I do think there was a lot on Lamar because he had not succeeded or played well in the playoffs, and it felt like his magic had been extinguished multiple times where it just all of a sudden that guy didn't exist anymore. The guy that you'd seen in a regular season wasn't there in the playoffs. He didn't have the space. He wasn't able to run. He was frustrated. All those kinds of things. I think it was a very important night for him. And I think that he he stood up to that challenge. And now we'll see what he can do next week. Yeah, and to be clear, I, I don't think that the narrative isn't about him. Um, and I don't think and I think if they had lost today and it wasn't even close, so I'm not implying that it was like some close game, I think every show including ours, would have led with, okay, what's wrong with Lamar? Why isn't he, what, what's wrong with him? Why isn't he performing in the postseason? I get all that. What I am just saying is, you know, like, I don't, I, I, I don't even want to call him, I was going to say, because he's such a polarizing player, I don't think he's a polarizing player. I think like 99% of football fans love Lamar Jackson. Now, I think some of them have questions about the postseason, or at least they're going to say, until you get to those biggest stages. By the way, no different than Josh Allen, as an example. No different than a lot of guys. Until you get to those biggest stages, we can't give you too much credit. I, I just, But what I'm trying to say is, I get that all the blame would have been on him, and, and I get all of that. I'll tell you what, Jason. We could talk about Lamar Jackson in just a moment because right now on the phone, live from San Francisco, coming off their 24-21 victory, we have Trent Williams of the San Francisco 40. What are you doing? How you doing, man? How you doing? I'm doing great now. <laughs> yeah. First of all, how does that locker room feel? Trent Williams joining Fox Sports Radio. Trent, how does that locker room feel after that fourth quarter comeback 24-21 victory? Uh, just relief, man. Relief. Um, you know, it's a token of confidence where you can pull a game out like that. And, uh, you know, when you got to go down there and get a score and 
don't have great field position. And I think that, you know, with the way the, the game was going all all day, essentially, you know, for us to be able to, to put the ball in the box when it meant the most, I think that that was a huge build of confidence for us. Do you think? Do you look at the? Do you look at it positively and say, "Hey, you know, we didn't bring our A game today. This was not our best performance as a football team, and we beat a pretty good football team, and we're still playing." Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, I've said it before. Green Bay record is not indicative of how good they are, how good they play. Well, coached, very well coached team. Um, we got a really challenging scheme to pick up on. Um, you know, so I think. A lot of people may discredit them because it's number seven in front of their seed. But, you know, once you get in this big dance, we're all professionals and we all we all are here for a reason. So, you know, a tough game, it shouldn't surprise anybody. Trent Williams joining Fox Sports Radio live off a San Francisco 24-21 to victory over the Green Bay Packers. Trent, so much of the conversation about your team is about your quarterback, uh, but – uh, on a night where he needed to be great down the stretch, multiple first downs on that final drive. He picks up a big chunk with his legs, which sets up the McCaffrey touchdown. What do you guys in the locker room, how do you feel about your quarterback, Brock Purdy? Uh, we, he's, uh, he is uh, one of the sole reasons we're in this position that we are in today. So uh, we we have so much confidence in him. He's such a good quarterback, such a good kid, such a good teammate. Um, you know, I had... I had zero doubt that he would make the plays that we needed to get us down the field. Trent, how does your offense change when Debo goes out? It, it seems like he, he when he goes out, it just changes a lot of what you want to do. Um, how, how much did you have to shift things when he left the game? Uh, you know, that's probably a question better suited for Kyle. <laughs> you know, I just get the call. And, but I do know that we put a lot on Debo's shoulder, and he knows so many different positions and, so many, you know, he, he does so much for us, um, you know, so losing him, you know, he's lightning in a bottle. So losing a guy like that is always going to be tough to overcome, especially when it happens, you know, in in the game. You know, when you got time to game plan for it, you know, we can kind of put people in different situations and make up for it. But, you know, Debo is a huge part of the game plan. So losing him early, you know, it did kind of take some rebooting and try to put some different guys in different put, places to try to you know overcome that trent williams joining fox sports radio aaron torres jason martin trent dumb question do you tomorrow just sit on the couch like the rest of us and watch detroit tampa bay do you guys have a text chain going like how do you consume that game knowing that you're going to play the winner uh next sunday uh me personally yeah i'm I'm, tomorrow i'll be a regular citizen i'll be uh feet kicked up on the couch and i'll be you know, tuned in to both of the games and obviously uh, studying the, the Tampa Bay and Detroit game, but, you know, watching it as a casual football fan, watching Kansas City and Buffalo. So, yeah, I, you know, ain't nothing better than being able to just kick your feet up and watch, and watch some high competitive football. Uh, Trent, one, one more from me. I, 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 you've been there for a while, so you were there pre-Christian McCaffrey, and you guys have had talented backs. You've had Elijah, and you've had Jeff Wilson, and you've had, you've had guys through the year. But now that you've got Christian and, and you can see what he is, how special is he? I know what we see on TV, but being up close and personal with him, how special is McCaffrey as a football player? Man, he, he's the best. He's the best in the league, been that way for a long time. He's extremely special, but, you know, 
for me, it meant a lot for me to to be able to watch him up close day in and day out. And, you know, I tell you, he's amongst one of the hardest workers on this football team. Uh, the way he approaches work, he don't, he don't take a day off, a second off. He's so locked in and um you know he's he's just he's a he's just a blessing you know he's a blessing being able to to get him for what we got him for and and, and the difference he's made since the first time he stepped in his locker room it, it, i mean it's really can't be measured um you know he's a leading rusher He's a he's a he's a heart and soul of this of this offense. Honestly, he does so much for us. Trent, last one. We'll let you go. Trent Williams joining us. Obviously, last two seasons has not gone to plan. This one is at home. This one, you're fully healthy, relatively speaking, all things considered for this time of year. As healthy as you can be, Brock's ready to go, starting quarterback, etc. What do you guys got to do to finish this thing, get to Vegas, and represent the NFC in the Super Bowl? Well, we obviously got to play better than we did today. Um, you know, but we just got to keep fighting. And obviously next week will be even harder of a game, no matter who we get, whether it's Detroit or Tampa. It's going to be a, another, you know, dog fight. And, um, you know, but what what more would you want when, it, you know, when you're trying to accomplish the, the end-all goal? Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's you're so much more thankful for it when you earn it, you know. And, and we had to go and earn this one, and I'm pretty sure we had to go earn the next one, so. Um, you know, the whole goal is to get into that big dance, and, you know, we got another opportunity to do it. Trent Williams joining us. Trent, best of luck next week. By the way, best of luck with tickets if you guys end up in Vegas. I feel like everyone's going to be hitting <laughs> you up for that one. Uh, yeah, for sure. We'll be watching you next week, man. Go enjoy this with the teammates. We so appreciate you making some time. Uh, we appreciate it, and thanks again, Trent Williams. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. That was Trent Williams, and that was awesome, Jason. That's uh, legit one of the best offensive linemen of the century right there. Well, like, he, he's ridiculously good. And, and what I want to say, too, sometimes you get guys post-game, you get guys after an emotional win, they just want to get back to their teammates. And, and, and Trent gave us a solid you know, 10, 12 minutes there, and, and I thought gave us some very insightful stuff on his thoughts on Brock Purdy, his thoughts on, on Christian McCaffrey. Tell you what, Jason, why don't we come back and react to what Trent Williams said? Trent Williams just joined us, and we'll have plenty more from that. That's all next, Fox Sports Radio. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. 
Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, broadcasting live from the Tyrac.com studios. Jason, about 10 minutes from now, I want to talk a little bit about some of the coaching news of the week. But very quickly, for people who just missed it, Trent Williams, San Francisco 49ers, iconic left tackle or, or offensive lineman joined us. By the way, if you missed it, you can check out the podcast because shortly after the show, our podcast will be going up. If you missed any of the show, be sure to check it out. Just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcast and be sure to also follow, rate, and review the podcast. Again, just search Fox Sports Radio wherever you get your podcast and we'll see, you'll see this show posted right after we get off air. So uh, producer Pat is uh, efforting some of the clips from that interview, Jason. Did you have any uh, amazing takeaways from it? First of all, let me just say really quickly, Trent was awesome. For people who did miss it, I do encourage you to download the podcast because, you know, listen, I I was telling the guys in the back, like, there's such a difference between 35-year-old vet, grown man, as opposed to, like, you know, 21-year-old rookie, you know, small school, maybe hasn't done a lot of interviews. You could tell Trent was really comfortable chatting with us. He was great. He was honest. He was insightful. We appreciate the time. You have any single big take or a couple big takeaways from this whole thing, Jason? No other than it kind of backs up what we said earlier, which is good teams yep. find a way to win when they don't have their best stuff. Yep. And I think Trent pretty much – said that without saying it directly he knows that they i don't know that i'd use the word escaped but this is a game they could have lost it's absolutely a game they could have lost he gave a lot of credit to green bay said they're better than their seed and we knew that coming in and he said we've got to play better next week so he basically said what we all saw which is that team did not fire on all cylinders tonight but they still won. And you could hear, and he said, the first words that he said to you after your initial question was relief, relief. Yeah. And that's that's it. They know they could have gotten beat tonight with the way they played, and they didn't. And they're still playing football, and they're relieved. They know exactly what is going to be necessary, but they found a way to get through. And I think that's, I think that relief came through in the interview. There was a... There was a positivity and a, whew, boy, I'm not not so sure we were actually going to win that game kind of feeling to it. And that's a 
that comes from a veteran who has seen both sides. That was actually my biggest takeaway as well, besides the fact that, you know, it, it, we in the media, and, and that's the one clip that I do want to make sure we get, is is him talking about, um, you know, how much that team loves Brock Purdy. I think we in the media um, have a different perception of the guys that are around him every day. But I only bring it up to say, outside of that, I thought that was my biggest takeaway as well, is is that I forget which question it was, but he basically said, like, well, we got to be better. Like, we got a mm-hmm. lot to clean up. And that was exactly what we said to lead the show, is that um, any team, and I'm not saying they're going to win the championship or whatever, but, but you know, what do we say around March Madness time, NCAA tournament, is that in general, you're going to have a game that you probably shouldn't win or you barely survive Basically, every champion ha- has that game, and I think this was the game for San Francisco. Um, you know, you go back to, to so many different years. The year the Rams won the the Super Bowl was a bunch of fourth quarter comebacks. Could have lost any of those games. Um, you know, last year with KC fourth quarter, you know, the KC making it to the Super Bowl when they're trailing with 13 seconds to go. It's like it doesn't always have to be complete domination like the Ravens today. Sometimes uh, it's a combination of of finding a way to win, maybe a little bit of luck I don't think there was really as much luck involved today but San Francisco gets the win San Francisco survives uh, and Trent Williams was fantastic tell you what Jason why don't we come back when we do want to talk about some of the coaching news of the week one guy staying not really sure about that another guy could be going to a place we weren't expecting. We'll discuss all that next. Before we do, though, news desk to Sager. What is trending? Guys, I mentioned it on the previous show. There was an NFL beat writer that pointed out that in this NFL postseason so far, until this game in the Bay Area tonight, we had not had even a lead change since the first half of the first playoff game huh. at Houston. Oh, and wow. then what we got was back and forth in the Bay Area tonight. No lead changes in Detroit. Uh, Detroit. LA. The Rams kept getting uh, field goals. I don't. That's think so. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. That yeah. game was that game was great. But you're right. It, it yeah. was always the same. No, I did not even think about that. That's that is crazy. crazy. I didn't mean to cut you off to say, no, it's, it's And great then stat. tonight we had San Francisco down three nothing early, but led at halftime seven six. Then remember, right after halftime, Jordan Love touchdown pass to regain the lead. Christian McCaffrey answers with a TD. Niners lead. Love again, touchdown and two-point conversion to retake the lead. San Francisco wins it on a touchdown run of six yards from Christian McCaffrey with 1.07 to go. 24-21, the final over Green Bay. The difference, you could easily say, kind of like what we were talking about, the Rams settling for field goals in Green Bay. First three drives tonight settled for two short field goals and then got stopped on that fourth and one attempt on the sneak and also missed a 41-yard field goal attempt with about six minutes left. Packers lose by three. So Jordan Love finishes with two touchdown passes, but two interceptions as well, both by Dre Greenlaw, who's the first linebacker with two picks at least in a playoff game in over 20 years. A little bit of NFL trivia. Can you name... A starting quarterback who's been to a conference championship game, starting conference championships each of his first two seasons in the league. Since the merger, this goes back to 1970, Brock Purdy's going to be doing that. How many are there? There are only three total. Hmm. Ben Roethlisberger Patrick did that Mahomes. his first two seasons. Mahomes didn't play his first year. year. Yeah, yeah. Mark Sanchez of the Jets of is the course. other one on the list. So Mark in, Sanchez. In 50-plus years, there's only three. 
San Francisco beats the Packers tonight. And Aaron Jones did have on 18 carries 108 yards rushing. First 100-yard rushing a game against San Francisco in two and a half years. But the Niners advance as does Baltimore. 34-10 over the Texans. That game was tied 10-10 at halftime. Lamar Jackson, two touchdown passes, two touchdown runs. Lamar Jackson, the first quarterback to lead his team in rushing yards for the season and then advance beyond the divisional round. In fact, he's led the Ravens in rushing five straight seasons, which is a record for an NFL quarterback. He led the team with his 100 yards rushing today. He now has three career playoff games with 100 yards rushing That is an NFL record for a quarterback. So now, how about this? AP points out that the city of Baltimore will be hosting the AFC Championship for the first time since January 1971, when the Baltimore Colts beat the Oakland Raiders on their way to a Super Bowl victory. That's another crazy stat. I know that they... The Ravens with Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and all them kind of came out at the same time as the Patriots dynasty. Yeah, and remember they had B. Gruden in Oakland. Yeah. So they've had four other times in the AFC title game, all of them on the road. That's incredible. Until next weekend. And there's going to be better weather in Baltimore next weekend. Better weather in San Francisco next weekend as well as we look ahead. But the Ravens win over the Texans means that the Texans franchise drops to 0-5 in the divisional round. They are the only current NFL franchise that has yet to reach a conference championship game. Detroit hosts Tampa Bay Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. Then Buffalo will host Kansas City, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. In college hoops, number one, UConn, a winner at Villanova on FS1, 66-65. And there's an NHL team that's won 12 in a row, and Edmonton is winning again tonight, 2-1 at Calgary in the final minute of regulation. Boston won again, 9-4 over Montreal. And the NBA late game went to Oklahoma City, winning at Minnesota, 102 97. Oklahoma City is 29 and 13 this year. Minnesota, a very healthy 30 and 12. Mike Conley, one for 11 shooting from the floor in the loss. Timberwolves had 21 turnovers. Back to you. Thank you very much, Steve Sager, Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, broadcasting live from the Tyrec.com studios. DeSager will be back in just a few minutes with his extended update. Uh, Jason, do want to go back uh, and talk about some of the coaching. Moves and non-moves of the week. Um, So it's crazy because you and I uh, have not been on air, as I said earlier in the show, since the debacle for the Dallas Cowboys against the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay, obviously, their season ended today, but Green Bay ended Dallas's season five days ago, six days ago, I guess, on last Sunday. Bring it up because as it was going on, I think we all thought, You can't bring back Mike McCarthy. Third straight disappointing loss in the playoffs. Uh, Obviously, last year they did win a game in Tampa. Um, But sure enough, he is back. I mean, I I have some thoughts on it, Jason. Were you surprised that Jerry Jones did not make a move? I was, even though I I think I know where your first take is going to be. I'm not going to steal it. I'm just going to say that the text that you sent me in regards to it after the fact, um, I think you're right. So I'm looking forward to hearing you lay that out here in a second. Um, I was surprised only because this is the third year in a row we've seen 12 and 5. Like, and nothing happens in the postseason, ever. And 
it just felt like this was the time where something needed to change. You're already paying your quarterback a lot of money, and he has come up pretty small uh, in these postseason situations. But at some point, don't you have to start doing something differently if you want different results? Well, not only that, it's the candidates that are available. You're right. It's a great year for candidates. You're, that's that's another great point. Yeah. No, my, my, my only real takeaway, and I've probably said this on air, and so for people who've heard me say it, I apologize, But and I might have even told you this, Jason, but but I go back to the year that Jason Garrett was was fired. But it, you know, it was it was in the era of a 16 game regular season, so 17 total weeks. So the season ended a week earlier. It ended you know around a little before New Year's. And I bring it up because Arnie Spanier and I were filling in all week, uh, you know, whatever, doing a bunch of shows. And you came out of that Sunday saying, "Okay, well, Jason Garrett's going to get fired." I mean, you know, like, look, nobody wishes you know ill will upon people, but if you're not good at your job, you know, you're highly p- compensated. You got to perform. And so I bring it up because Arnie Spanier and I were on air every single night, and night one comes, and we're expecting a firing during the show, and it doesn't happen. And then the next night, by the time we're come on air, because it was we're filling in for Jason and Mike, so well, I mean, we're not on until 11 p.m. Eastern or 10 p.m. Eastern. He's gonna get fired. Didn't get fired. Then day three, it's like, well, you know, maybe we bring him back. And then day four, it's do we move him into the front office? And it was like, you know, it took like five days to get rid of Jason Garrett after 10 years. And I believe the 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 stat was 10 years, two playoff wins. Obviously, did not get out of the divisional round. We know that. And I just sit there and say, like. I think everyone has this idea of Jerry as this maverick, freewheeling, unafraid to do anything. That's not who he has been the last 10, 15 years. Now, if you want to say it's because he's, uh, you know, uh, uh, because he's a, uh, he wants to uh, keep a coach that's going to be kind of a puppet for him, going to be a guy that's that's going to be a yes man, whatever you want to say. He, that that you know, a Bill Belichick, a Jim Harbaugh isn't going to put up with his nonsense. Something you and I talked about last week. Whatever it is, I don't know. I don't know what his reasoning is, but that's just not who he's been, so I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed, I will say that, because I think Jim Harbaugh could get this same roster to a Super Bowl next year. I think Bill Belichick, with Josh McDaniels as his offensive coordinator, could get this roster to a Super Bowl next year. I think Mike Vrabel could get this guy, this roster to a Super Bowl next year. I do not think Mike McCarthy can get this team to a Super Bowl next year because we have a three-year track record that he doesn't perform in the playoffs, and it's the same thing every year. It's penalties. It's lack of preparedness. Now, by the way, he still might lose Dan Quinn. I don't even know if that's a loss or not anymore. I just bring it up. It's the old, uh, you know, it's almost like when you do something wrong and your parents say, I'm not I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Right. That's kind of how I feel. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed because it's like, there are guys that we know are definitively better than McCarthy. I'm just bummed that we're not going to see those guys on the sidelines potentially helping this team reach its potential. Yeah, I mean, McCarthy is a fine coach, but if you're not winning in the playoffs, what are you doing? I mean, the Cowboys, this is where they have not been able to succeed for such a long period of time, and nothing seems to change, and nothing seems to get better. And you mentioned some of the candidates and who they could get and all of this. I think that the Jerry Jones point is very important. That for all the talk of you know, how rebellious he is and how quick-tempered he is, think about how long Jason Garrett was there mm-hmm. not doing anything. 
Uh, and think about now McCarthy continuing to hold on to this gig. There is something different about Jerry Jones when he gets into a decision-making process. You had an opportunity here to do something different in Dallas. And here is my takeaway, and I did text this to you at some point this past week. The Cowboys are now officially in James Harden territory for me. (laughs) I will not believe in them as a championship-level organization until I see them win a championship. Mm -hmm. The only way that I could predict them to ever do it again is if I actually see them do it first. That's where we are because I got got this year. I said I wasn't going to do it. I got got again. And it's not going to happen ever again. This was the last time. I don't care if they go 17-0. and I will pick them to lose in the playoffs. They, they're going to have to win a Super Bowl before I start picking them to win in the postseason anymore. Because this team, and I understand, Green Bay's a good football team. We saw that again uh, against San Francisco in the loss. That said, you can't go out like this. You can't get embarrassed like this. And the fact that you got embarrassed like this and you're just going to run it back, mm-hmm. that to me is mind-boggling. Yeah, and, and really quick because we do got to get to DeSager. I mean, that that's what I'll wrap by saying is I get – I get the notion that Jerry, you know, is basically arguing three straight 12 win seasons, never been done in Cowboys history. I believe that stat is correct. I could be wrong. But I just bring it up because, listen, I don't want to say anyone could do it, but come on now. You know, Eagles fell apart late. Giants and Washington stink. So that's five wins right there. I, I don't know. I, you get Everyone gets the point. I, I'm, I think we're both surprised, but not surprised. I'm just disappointed because I, I, I'm disappointed whenever, whether it's a college football program, an NFL team, or whatever, when when there is something so obvious that is going to help them, elevate them, when a team, a program, or whatever, has the opportunity to reach its potential and they don't, it's disappointing. And I don't think this team with this current roster will reach its potential with Mike McCarthy. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, broadcasting live from the Tyrac.com studios. When we come back, DeSager has his extended update for us. Lots of stuff we missed from across the world of sports. That's next, Fox Sports Radio. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. 
With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Eric Torres, Jason Martin, broadcasting live from the Tyrac.com studios. At the end of your first year, Discover Credit Cards automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you earned doubled. Seriously, see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Don't want to waste any more time. Toss it over the news desk to Sager. Extended update. Take it away, my friend. Guys, I'll have a question about kickers for you in a moment. Oh, but, uh, boy. Suffice to say, after San Francisco eliminated Green Bay tonight, still the last team to be lowest seed in their conference, but still wind up winning the Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers Packers in 2010. Kyle Shanahan advances. He has yet to lose a home playoff game, by the way. I was going to say one thing about kickers. One thing we haven't discussed at all on this show, a missed field goal late, but also... In the what was it? The first quarter, uh, deep in there, you know, they had a chance to kick a field goal, Two. And, and they went for it. What did they go for it twice? Oh no, the fourth and one they went for. The yes. other two they settled for two. Field exactly, goals. Yeah. exactly. So you know, you had that chance to go for three early. It ends up being a three point game. Anyway, and I'm sure a Packer fan, not just Lafleur, would say I would argue the spot still on that fourth and one, uh, first half of the game. Nonetheless, that doesn't explain away your other two early drives where you settled for field goals and wound up losing by three. So Kyle Shanahan, one of the few head coaches to be undefeated at home in the postseason, but he has yet to win the title. He has the highest postseason win percentage, 7-3, and three, of any head coach without ever winning an NFL title. So stay tuned on that one. They'll be hosting the NFC Championship on Fox TV. It's the late of the two games next weekend. As far as kickers... Should they be drafted at all? Here is the evidence from this past year's draft. We had three kickers selected. The two that were in the game tonight and the New England kicker, Chad Ryland, who from 40 yards and beyond went 7 for 14. He was only 50% from 40 yards and beyond for the Patriots this year. And this guy was drafted in the fourth round. Jake Moody of the Niners was drafted from Michigan late in the third round and really made Niners fans nervous with the preseason misses Mm -hmm. and then wound up very good for most of the regular season and then missed a kick in the regular season finale and had a kick blocked here at the end. And remember, there was the extra point. Well, it's just, let's get on to the Packers kicker, shall we? Because this guy... Anders Carlson was taken sixth round out of Auburn. Inside 40 yards, perfect. I mean, literally perfect. 22 for 22. 
including the two short ones tonight. Outside, 40 yards, just like the New England kicker. 50%, and that's it. And yes, missed a 41-yarder in the rain with about six minutes to go, and they lose by three tonight. Brock Purdy with, realistically, his first game-winning drive with San Francisco tonight. Technically, he'd had one in a previous season where he kneeled down and then they kicked a field goal in overtime, but this, they were trailing and facing elimination and he was 6 of 7 passing on that last drive, nearly 50 yards, and had a couple of runs. Christian McCaffrey with the game uh, go-ahead touchdown with 1.07 to go. So let's not forget Niners' history of the past decade. These last five years, phenomenal. The five years before that, didn't finish over 500 for five years in a row, trying Jim Tomsula at coach and <laughs> Chip Kelly yep. and the start of Kyle Shanahan. Now these last five years... They've made the NFC title game four of the five seasons. And remember, in this stretch, they had the fourth quarter lead against the Chiefs in a Super Bowl a year ago. They had that very tight NFC title game, dropping the interception at the Rams. They had the injury, of course, and got blown out at Philadelphia last year in the NFC Championship. They'll be hosting the NFC Championship next weekend. The 49ers this season, easily number one in passer rating. And number one in yards per attempt, not in completions, over nine yards per attempt for that offense this year. They were also the best in yards per catch. We saw the defense. San Francisco's defense tied for the most interceptions this season, 22. Dre Greenlaw had two more tonight. Green Bay uh, faced a great NFC defense. They only allowed 17.5 points per game regular season. Thank you very much, Steve Sig. Sager will be with us in Hour 4. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, Fox Sports Radio. When we come back, we will recap a busy night in the NFL and look ahead to two Sunday games. Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in, everybody. Hour 3, Torres and Martin, Fox Sports Radio, Fox Football Live. We are broadcasting live from the Tyrec.com studios TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. We are taking you to the top of the hour. Bernie Fratto of the Bernie Fratto Show will follow us. He will have so much on an amazing day of football and also... An amazing day to come in football as well. By the way, Jason and I will be previewing the two Sunday games in just a few moments. Before we do that, though, let's wrap and put a bow on everything that happened on Saturday. Should mention, by the way, and I know you know this, Jason, but Trent Williams did join us of the San Francisco 49ers following their win. So if you missed it, Make sure to download the podcast. San Francisco wins 24-21. to uh, The late game, certainly the more compelling game, came down to the wire. The San Francisco 49ers trailed late in this game. A late touchdown by Christian McCaffrey on what was essentially the final drive. A minute seven to go. A six-yard touchdown run. Really set up by, by a very nice series by Brock Purdy. Multiple first down completions. A nine-yard run, which set up that six-yard touchdown run. San Francisco does not play its best football. Even Trent Williams said that. That's not even our words. Trent Williams himself said that. Um, But they get the win. They survive. They advance to their third straight NFC Championship game. 
where they will, of course, face the winner of tomorrow or Sunday, I should say Sunday's uh, Tampa Bay-Detroit game, Jason. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, if you watch the game, you know that they didn't play their best football, but they're still playing football, and that's what counts. And Trent Williams, if you listen to that interview on the podcast, you will hear in his voice and in his tone that 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 he knows that they didn't play that well and that they're going to have to play better. He says it verbatim, as a matter of fact, in answer to one of our questions. Um, if they want to beat the Lions or the Bucks the way Tampa Bay's playing, they're going to have to play better than that. And certainly if they want to beat whoever comes out of the AFC, uh, they're going to have to play better than that. But they played well enough and got enough breaks to go their way. You had two interceptions from the Packers, and one thing we have not talked about thus far uh, we said some kind stuff about Brock Purdy, even though we also say he didn't play very well tonight outside of that last drive, which is all that matters ultimately because you end up winning the football game. But there were probably at least two passes that he threw that could have been picked off, one that might have gone all the way. So the Packers dropped a few opportunities to have maybe extended this lead out, put themselves in better position, and that that – that kind of thing happens too. Sometimes the breaks do have to go your way. And sometimes there's a quarterback who makes a few mistakes, but you can't take advantage of them. And as a result, you come up short. And that's what you saw. The Packers had the opportunity to win this game. In fact, it was in their grasp. They looked to be the aggressors right up until they lost the game. <laughs> and then that's, that's, that's all that matters is that at the end of 60 minutes, the team that was playing at home is still playing football. You know, what you just said kind of reminds me of what we just saw in college football with Michigan, where, um, you know, you go back to that Rose Bowl, um, you know, everything went wrong. And Jason, you and I did the four hour post game show. We were filling in for Jason and Mike that night. I can't remember all the details, but, you know, literally an interception on the first play that is overturned in their favor. A lot of weird stuff goes their way. They don't play a great game, but they find a way to win. They find a way to advance. They end up beating Washington, winning the national championship. Nobody's going to remember, oh, they had 11 penalties for 119 yards against Alabama, and they easily could have lost to Alabama. I mean, you might might remember that in passing, that that it wasn't the best day and they might have lost to Alabama. But all you remember is that they hoisted that trophy at the end of the season. And so San Francisco obviously has two more games. I'm not saying that just because they survived this one um, that all of a sudden we're going to sit there and say like that they're de- definitively going to win the Super Bowl. They're going to have a tough challenge next week and obviously uh, could be facing a Baltimore team down the road. You know, Whoever they face from the AFC, I think at this point, I, I think it's safe to say is going to be an, an interesting challenge, whether it is a Kansas City team that they faced in the Super Bowl a few years ago, Buffalo with Josh Allen, or of course Lamar Jackson, who they just lost to, and the Baltimore Ravens a few weeks ago. But the point I'm trying to make is, you know, not every game is perfect. Not every game is what Baltimore did to Houston today, where uh, maybe it's close for a quarter and a half, two and a half quarters, then you pull away. Sometimes you do need to win those games that are ugly, but find a way. And the one thing I will say is that what is, what is, I think cool from our perspective, and and we opened the show, the game was still going on and Brock Purdy was struggling, is you can't sit there and say that there was any one thing that, like, like San Francisco deserved to win that game. It was ugly, 
but they deserve to win. Again, kind of like Michigan against Alabama. There wasn't a weird penalty. There wasn't a weird roughing the passer that gave them a first down, That this, that, the other thing. It's like, it wasn't pretty, but they were the better team. They made the plays when they had to, and they survived. So I know I just went in about 25 different directions there, Jason, but that's the biggest takeaway. There's nothing fluky. They made the plays when they had to. They survive. Now they host the NFC Championship game with about as healthy of a roster as you can ask for. We'll see, obviously, what happens with Debo Samuel. But obviously, coming out of last year where, where you know, so many injuries in that NFC Championship game, um, you know, got to gotta feel good if you're a 49ers fan. Yeah. Uh, again, everybody on their road to a championship. And we don't know how this is going to end. But if it does end with a championship, I don't know how many. I'm sure there are examples but very few teams go through unscathed and just look dominant week after week after week after week. There's a reason why there's never been another undefeated team that's won a Super Bowl in the history of the NFL, because it's really, really hard to do. I mean, this San Francisco team, let's say they go win the Super Bowl. We know they didn't have their best stuff against Green Bay, but remember what happened to them against Baltimore? Like, if there's a rematch and they beat Baltimore, I mean, they got absolutely annihilated by the Ravens in that game. And coming out of it, you didn't know what to make of it. But again, they're still playing. And they have one more game to get to a Super Bowl. And if they win two more, then they've won the Super Bowl. So there's there's ebbs and flows. There's ups and downs. A lot of it sometimes depends on who's healthy and at what time. And then you just look at the structure and you look at the horses and you say, all right, well, if this guy doesn't have it on this day, then who can pick up the slack? And I think that one answer that you have when it comes to the 49ers is if Brock Purdy doesn't have it, then a lot of times Christian McCaffrey does, as long as the offensive line's blocking for him. And the offensive line wasn't great, and of course Trent Williams even talked about that. Yeah, go ahead. The big question is, you know, what if Brock Purdy doesn't have it? What if he does, though? Like, like, you know, they win that game at home against a game Packers team that just destroyed Dallas in Dallas. Like, what if Brock Purdy does come out slinging, and instead of being 23 of 39, he's 29 of 36 or whatever? Like, you know, I mean, this is a guy that over the course of the regular season did complete 70% of his passes. And so, like, that's the other part, too, is is everybody wants to tear down Brock Purdy and this and that, but it's like, what if it does click? I, I just... I. I I don't know. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I think that's something to consider is I think everyone's talking about this as if, you know, like we saw like like Brock, like, like I think there's a lot of people that that because of and we've talked about this, how people feel about Brock Purdy, they act as though because of their personal bias that he is incapable of playing like an A plus game against a team that matters in a game that matters. But imagine if he does. Imagine if it isn't again twenty nine of twenty three of thirty nine, but instead it's thirty one of thirty nine. I don't know. I just I I just think you know it's not just across the board they need to be better. Like there's a lot of room for that dude to grow. And if he does, watch out. Yeah, I mean that's true. I, I, for all but pretty much one drive against Green Bay, he didn't have it, and they still won the game. And my point being, you know, you have McCaffrey there. McCaffrey doesn't have 100 on the ground, but he has almost 130 all-purpose, and he has a couple of touchdowns, including the the eventual game winner. Um, But if you actually come to a game where you have McCaffrey being McCaffrey and Purdy dialed in 
with those receivers and Kittle's not dropping a pass here and there and Debo is healthy and Jawan's doing Jawan things and Ayuk is out there doing his thing and Shanahan is just knocking them out of the park with every play call, uh, they're pretty much unbeatable. And that's the thing. You can come up to a spot where, all right, the quarterback, how many, how many teams in the NFL, truly, how many teams in the NFL, Aaron, can come up with a, I don't know, I'd even go maybe B minus C plus effort at best from their quarterback and still win the game against a good football team in the playoffs? Not a whole lot. Let's just, how about tomorrow? I would say three out of four. The only team that I think can survive a a media a below average game from their quarterback is probably Detroit, but Tampa can't. Not with Baker no, Mayfield, definitely not. Right, and I don't think KC can. You know, I know that Patrick Mahomes didn't have to be great the other day, and we know certainly Buffalo cannot without Josh Allen is the offense. Um, so just as an example, I don't think three of the four teams. That are playing tomorrow could have played, could have had that kind of performance from their quarterback and expected to win. You can look at it as a negative, as Brock Purdy isn't Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, whatever. You can look at it as a positive. Like I said, if everything else clicks and that guy plays better, all of a sudden that 24 21 win probably becomes 31 21 and it isn't even that close. Right. And if you have, and what I hope that we, if, if it does come down, if it ends up being the two number one seeds that come out, and I don't know, I mean, we're not going to make those predictions yet. But if you do get the rematch of Baltimore and San Francisco, imagine if you got the A game out of everybody. If you got the A game out of Lamar, if you got the A game out of McCaffrey, you've got the A game out of the San Francisco receivers, out of Odell, Mark Andrews coming back from injury and he's ready to go. The defenses, we know what they're capable of. Everybody playing at their best. First off, I don't know who wins the game. Second off, you have one of the all-time greatest football games that you've ever seen. And I don't even know if it's a high scoring. I have no idea how that game even looks. Most of the time, and in fact, pretty much I don't know that it's ever happened, where everybody's been dialed in on both sides. But you do have – there's some margin for error with your quarterback in San Francisco where every drive he doesn't have to do everything. That wasn't the case with the Chargers, just as one example. If Herbert didn't do it every time, they were going to get beat. What did we see at USC? And sometimes it wasn't even enough when he was doing it all. But when Caleb Williams had two empty drives – USC got beat because he was everything for them. San Francisco does not have to throw 100% of its impact and its pressure behind the quarterback. All a quarterback has to do is not turn the ball over four or five times and find his way to make a couple of crucial plays. And that's what he did. Like, he wasn't great for about three and a half quarters. And then you get to the last drive. He scrambles for one. He throws for two or three. Would have been three, but Kittle dropped one. And then he followed that up by hitting another one. So that that's all you need from him. He isn't, he isn't asked to be Harry Potter the way some of these other guys are. Zero doubt. Do you have any major takeaways from the first game? Uh, or excuse me, before we, you know, we don't. I don't think we have to really break down the first game. I did want to quickly ask you about Green Bay. Um, I, you know, I, I understand this is the pros. There's no moral victories in in professional sports, but um, quarterback in his first year as a starter, nobody knew what to expect. I think even at the halfway point of the season, we're questioning: Is this the guy? 
Well, he closes back half of the season, wins at Detroit on Thanksgiving Day, beats Patrick Mahomes head-to-head on Sunday Night Football, which leads into a big win in Dallas. And oh, by the way, you're super young at the skill positions. You're super young on the defense. Uh, I, I, you want to win the game, and you could have won the game, and some might say you maybe even should have won the game. But I think there are so many positives for the Green Bay Packers and I don't know how you can't be excited. By the way, if you're one of the three other teams in the NFC North, maybe if you're a Detroit Lions fan, you don't really care because you're so fired up about tomorrow. But if you're a Bears fan, if you're a Vikings fan, and it looks like the the Packers hit again with another quarterback, another really good head coach, which I don't even think we fully dove into in hour one, Jason. Um, I, I don't know how you can't... F- Packers fans probably don't feel good, but I also don't know how you can't feel good in the bigger picture just based on everything we've seen about the last six to eight weeks with this organization. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, that's that's absolutely 100% true. As a matter of fact, I just I think that there's something to be said for the quality of the organizations that we've seen in the past couple of weeks. I mean, and there's some that have also been playing with house money also like we spent a lot of time talking about san francisco and of course we spent a lot of time talking about baltimore we haven't talked at all about the houston texans the houston texans have been an been a walking joke and here they are the packers could have retreated into the cellar and here they are you look at some teams and how fast they were able to turn the corner and it's not all rookie quarterback contracts and all this, although if you find your way into the right rookie that's ready to go, then you put yourself in the right spot. But there is something to be said for going with a vision, understanding an identity, and building a culture around it. You've seen that in Detroit. You see that right now in Houston with D'Amico Ryans and Bobby Slowick and everybody that's associated with, with this experiment and what C.J. Stroud was this year. There are There's just something about certain organizations. You look at San Francisco not having to put everything behind Brock Purdy. Well, it's because they built that team really, really well, mm-hmm. and they made good moves. And you heard Trent Williams say, think about what we got Christian McCaffrey for. He said that to us in that interview. Like, the way that they got him. They didn't have to give up the world for him. And they brought him in, and he might have been the missing piece. He came to a ready-made roster that was just ready to welcome him in and say, man, you could be the, the missing piece to this Super Bowl puzzle, and here you find it. You see that around the league. And that's why, going back to what we talked about in the last hour, the Dallas experiment makes no sense. The whole situation with McCarthy, it's like there's something wrong and has been for a long time in the decision-making processes and the time frames on a lot of these decisions that are made. I heard a lot of people say, man, they've got to have an unbelievable offseason with free agents. Like, they've got a roster full of pro bowlers, mm-hmm. and they got beat by the youngest team in the league at home last week. Who is going to take the blame for that? Is it Dan Quinn? Is it Dak Prescott? Is it Mike McCarthy? Who is going to take the blame? And if you bring back Mike McCarthy again, and this is the part that we didn't get to, and I wanted to hit this. If you bring back Mike McCarthy, but don't give him an extension, right? Because that's the report that we got on Saturday is that there's no extension attached to this contract. You're bringing him in like it's a last-ditch effort. Like, well, you better get it done this year. So you're almost saying, 
All right, well, if he doesn't get it done this time, we'll get rid of him next time. Mm -hmm. If that's the feeling, why bring him back this time? Why not go ahead and make the move because you're already setting the stage for a lame duck scenario halfway through the year? Or, again, I mean, uh, Lord forbid we end up with another 12-5 and (laughs) and getting to the postseason again. I feel like there's no vote of confidence, but we're going to bring you back anyway. To me, that's malpractice. I know this. I don't want this intending to turn into a Cowboys conversation, but uh, and we'll be quick because we got to get back and preview tomorrow's games. But that—that's my exact thought. This is my frustration with the whole thing. Is um, you know, it's a great point by you. Is by not giving the extension, you inherently are kind of saying we don't really trust you. Um, and even if you bring him back, it's like the other. I don't know, man. It's just. That thing is so disappointing to it's me. It's baffling. It's just, it just, yeah, disappointing. And you said that earlier. It's just, it's nonsense. Like it, it there's no logic behind it at all. Like, and and Jerry even said he's won a lot in the regular season. So what? Go play intramurals, brother. Like the I'm old the Hawkins thing, the Colorado coach. Like, I I just I don't get it. I I don't understand what the thought process is because the results have not been there and the only thing that Jerry Jones has said he cares about is winning Super Bowls and to me this is the kind of move that indicates that's not all he cares about because the opportunity was there to upgrade and he chose not to do it yeah and and I think the other thing is it'd be year it'd be different if it was year one It'd be different if there was some weird injury and it by the way the other thing we didn't even talk about we talked about it last week but is Everything broke their way. The Eagles completely fell apart. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they would have won the division. They stole a game in Detroit that they shouldn't have stolen. In that case, you know, I guess they probably still would have gotten home field advantage. Maybe the seeds would have been different. Whatever. I just bring it up to say everything went their way, and it still didn't happen. No injuries. Two seed. Home field advantage. Win the division. It's just, it boggles my mind, and I said it earlier and we'll wrap on this, is that as far as the Cowboy stuff is concerned, I said it before, I'll say it again, is it's like when your parents tell you, I'm not just, I'm not mad at you, I'm just disappointed. I'm just disappointed, and, and it's funny, I'm not I'm not a Cowboys guy. I just want to see that organization reach its potential. And you have a team in a, in a unique window with some young guys still on rookie contracts, which we talked about earlier in the show, and it's like you got to capitalize on this window right now. They refuse to do it. Um, they lost to, to Green Bay last week. Green Bay loses to San Francisco this week. And, of course, San Francisco advances to the NFC Championship game. When we come back, we'll preview that NFC Championship game, or the NFC uh, Divisional Round. Tampa Bay-Detroit fighting to play Dallas. Also, of course, the big one, KC and Buffalo. We'll discuss all that next. Fox Sports Radio. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. 
Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, broadcasting live from the Tyrec.com studios. 31 minutes from now, Bernie Fratto of the Bernie Fratto Show will follow us. Apparently, Nick Cope is is uh, his update guy because he just freaked me out of coming out of the corner of the studio here. Anyway, Bernie in about 31 minutes from now. Uh, by the way, I should mention Discover. At the end of your first year, Discover credit cards automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you've earned doubled. CRCC terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. As much as I'm enjoying this intro music, Lorraine, I think we need to get a little uh, We need to get a little NFL. Got to get that good NFL music going. Let's go. What do we got? What do we got? We got? There it is right there. That's that Fox NFL Sunday music. Pat, we got two Sunday games tomorrow to, or today, depending on where you are. Oh, yeah, no, we got two going on tomorrow. Which and one? We preview it first. We're going to start with the AFC side on this one. We got the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo is home, and boy, is it going to be a climactic fight of a battle tomorrow. Now, Buffalo, they are home. Climactic fight of a battle. Climactic. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know. I'm just hyped. I'm hyped, guys. Mystery okay. wrapped in a riddle, circled by an enigma. <laughs> it's climactic. You it's, know, the it's last a fight. time they it's played in this round, it came down to the final third. 13 seconds. There's probably some jokes there that are not appropriate. But anyway, Pat, okay. what, what, are we, what are we doing? What are we doing? Here? Either way, Buffalo is the home team here, guys. And as I've said before, the home team reigns supreme. In particular, on this line, Buffalo is a three-point favorite over the Chiefs. Let's start off with Aaron Torres himself. Aaron, what are you feeling on this one? This is one, I'll be honest, guys. Like, if I was in Vegas or any state where you could legally sports bet, I just don't think I would. I really don't. You know, listen, it's amazing. I keep waiting for, to use a bad pun, uh, you know, the, 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 the wheels to fall off the wagon for the Buffalo Bills. Like, 
I still don't really believe that they're doing this. They were Listen, I know they lost a lot of close games, but they were so bad early and to just see them just get so hot late. And then the other thing too is that like even in their wins, they have these moments. I mean, they beat Miami 2 weeks ago on Sunday night football. Pat uh not Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen had a bunch of turnovers. And so I want to believe in them. I want to trust them especially at home. And then, but I don't know that I do. But then on the other side, it's like I don't think this – it's not even that I don't think. I know this is not a vintage Chiefs team. This is the worst team of the Mahomes era. And this is obviously, you know, you may have heard the first road game that they're playing uh, in the Patrick Mahomes era. I just – I have no strong opinion as far as who's going to win and who's going to lose. My heart wants me to take Buffalo – but my head tells me quarterback that likes to turn the ball over. Casey obviously has a ton of playoff experience. I understand zero is on the road. And in the big games, even the way, by the way, Jason, even the game that Casey won, it was that wild uh, penalty late. Otherwise, they would have won that one too. So this is all long-winded. But the point I'm trying to make I want Buffalo to win, but my head says KC finds a way, and it's another offseason of questions for Buffalo. Buffalo's going to win. It's the biggest game of Josh Allen's career, but it's an even bigger game for Sean McDermott. If they lose, he's fired. Whether it's immediate or whether it's in the offseason, he's not getting the McCarthy treatment. If they lose, he's fired, I think. But this is the Josh Allen game. This is the one he's got to show up. He can't have the crazy turnovers unless he still finds a way to win it. This is a Kansas City team that can be beaten. Spagnuolo is going to have a nice defense set up to try and confound Josh Allen and force him into mistakes. I just think that Buffalo is going to make a couple more plays this time around than the Chiefs. They've got it where they want it. I just think this is Buffalo's time. I, I feel like... I feel good about this one. I'm, I'm not wavering. I'm going exactly where my head has been all week, and it is that Buffalo is the better team right now. They are peaking at the right time, and they're going to win the football game. Let's go. I Listen, I, I like something new. I like something fresh. Um, I just don't think this is a vintage KC team. I'll believe it when I see it, um, but we'll see. Everything. If Buffalo can't do it this time, there's no excuses. Pat, I know what the second game is, which is actually the first game, but go ahead and set it up for us. All right. So we're going to go with the other game for tomorrow. We got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers facing off against the Detroit Lions for the NFC Divisional round to go to the championship. And again, guys, I said it with the last game. Same thing here. Home team runs supreme in Detroit. Detroit, a little bit more of a favorite than the Kansas City, or I mean, than the Buffalo Bills were. Detroit. Six point favorites over the Bucks, and let's uh, let's do a little scratch on that. Let's go, Jason Martin. What are you feeling, sir? Well, I can tell you that this is the kind of game that Baker Mayfield relishes. He loves a loud, hostile crowd coming for his neck, but he's not going to love it today. <laughs> he's not going to love it against the Lions. They have waited for this. The environment is going to be outstanding. Goff plays really well at home. I'm on Ross St. Brown. I don't know who's going to come. I mean, Winfield's played really well for them, but I, I just, 
it just feels like the Lions' time the same way with Buffalo. I feel very comfortable in saying that the Lions are a better overall football team with more firepower, and they're going to have more answers for the Bucks than vice versa. I like the Lions in this game, and I like them comfortably. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I like the Lions so much that I'm actually worried, and the Lions are another team that. No, I do like like. No, that's a, that's that's absolutely right. It terrifies me how much I like the Lions right now. Yeah, I'll give you a very weird example because we were talking a minute ago about how rare it is that a team just like rips through the playoffs and it's never competitive, and I go back to last year's basketball NCAA tournament where I remember coming on with you and Arnie, my alma mater was playing for the championship. And you guys were like, so what is the pathway to San Diego State winning that game? And I was like, I don't know if there is one which concerns me. Um, and I don't think this is exactly that. I, I mean, these are all professionals, as as our buddy Trent Williams told us earlier, that we're, they're all professionals. But I just bring it up to say, like, I, I don't see the pathway barring, like, m- like, you know, four turnovers for Jared Goff and two of them get returned for touchdowns. I just don't see it. I think Detroit is basically better virtually at every spot on the field. I think quarterbacks are about the same, but Detroit's really good. And I know it's a, it's a cliche talking point at this point, but you know, the front office, Brad Holmes, I believe the guy's name is the, the GM has done an unbelievable job. Dan Campbell has those guys ready every single week, home field advantage, I don't know if there's anything else to add on your perspective, Jason. I, I just I don't see the pathway or the scenario barring something shocking for Tampa to win. I just I mean, right. The Lions are better. Doesn't always mean that the better the better team doesn't always win, but a lot of times in the NFL that does tend to be the way that it goes. I just I don't see the letdown here. I think I think we can have the letdown maybe when they go on the road to San Francisco. I don't I don't feel very good for either one of these teams going to that building and winning, but I just think the Lions are, are gonna steamroll the Bucks. I don't I'm not saying it's gonna be a laugher that you can't watch. I'm just saying that you're gonna know who the better team was at the end of it. Those are those two Sunday divisional round games. Tell you what, for the final time this evening. Let's toss it to the news desk. Steve DeSager, tell us what is trending, my friend. We'll get to the wins from the 49ers and Ravens, but that Detroit hosting Tampa Bay game is Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Lions star tight end Sam Laporta listed as questionable with a bad knee. He did play last game, had three catches, including a short TD. Keep in mind how Detroit in the regular season went for it often on fourth down and quite successfully over 50% conversions on fourth down. And last Sunday night in the playoff against the Rams, They went for it on a fourth down at the two and threw a touchdown pass and wound up winning the game by a point. Tampa Bay put Philadelphia out of its misery with a win last Monday night. 32-9 was the final. First four drives for the Bucs, they scored on all four. Now, it was three field goals and a touchdown, but they had a 16-3 lead. But they were against the Eagles' defense that not just for a game or two, completely fell apart this past season. The Bucs the worst rushing team in the league in the regular season. That's who Detroit is facing tomorrow. Buffalo will host Kansas City 6.30 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. Temperature will be under 25 degrees. Maybe no snow on Sunday, but it will be windy. The Bills have won six in a row after eliminating Pittsburgh in last Monday's game when Josh Allen had three touchdown passes and a TD run. Buffalo at home is 8-2 and two on the season. 
Kansas City on field goal attempts has been great this year, 37 of 39, including the four short field goals in the cold wildcard game against Miami. Special teams for Buffalo has not been special this year. Yeah, they were impressive otherwise, including no turnovers last game and only two penalties, but on field goals, one for three, had one blocked, had one missed badly. The punter got hurt. He was listed as questionable for this weekend with a bad hamstring. The good news is the Bills have cut punter Matt Hawk from the practice squad, so I guess Sam Martin, the regular, is okay. Wide receiver Gabe Davis will be out again with a knee injury. Chiefs wide receiver Kadarius Toney out again tomorrow with hip and ankle injuries, missing a fifth straight game. He was limited in practice all week. Now, the Ravens today were tied at the half 10-10 against Houston. Then they eliminated the Texans 34-10. Lamar Jackson, who could be MVP this year, had two touchdown passes and two touchdown runs. Ravens running backs had over 30 carries on top of that for about 130 yards. Baltimore's playoff record in the previous eight years was 1-4. and four. This Ravens team will be hosting the AFC title game next weekend with a 14-4 and four record. San Francisco is 13-5 now. It led at halftime tonight against Green Bay 7-6. 24-21 the final. Christian McCaffrey, two touchdown runs in the second half, including the game winner with 1.07 to go. Fox talked about this stat a couple of times during the telecast tonight. Kyle Shanahan's 49ers when they're trailing in the fourth quarter by five points or more, now have a record of 3-41. and 41. But those three games, coming back against the Packers in the playoffs tonight, coming back against the Packers in the playoffs two years ago, and coming back for an overtime win to finish the regular season two years ago. For Green Bay, I would say tale of two halves. It just about was that because they moved the ball in the first half. They just kept settling for field goals and had that stop on the fourth and one sneak. But their first six possessions, Jordan Love, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Their last four possessions, no touchdowns, two interceptions, and just 30 yards passing on those last four possessions. We mentioned the rookie kicker, Anders Carlson. He finishes his rookie season missing a kick in five straight games, be it extra point or field goal attempt. And in fact, he had 12 misses in his last 12 games. College Hoops number one, UConn won at Villanova 66-65. There was a triple overtime game with Creighton winning at Seton Hall. NHL Edmonton won its 13th game in a row. Boston a 9-4 winner against Montreal. The Islanders fired coach Lane Lambert and hired Patrick Waugh. As for the NBA, Houston in overtime edged Utah. Cleveland won at seventh in a row victories for philadelphia and milwaukee back to you thank you very much steve desager fox sports radio fox sports saturday even though it's sunday i guess we call it fox football live now aaron torres jason martin broadcasting live from the tyrac.com studios when we come back we'll wrap the show some predictions for the week ahead and one big topic that we have not hit yet that's next fox sports radio Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. 
smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, broadcasting live from the Tyrac.com studios. 11 minutes and 16, 14 seconds from now. Bernie Frado of the Bernie Frado Show will follow us. Bernie's got all sorts of good stuff. Bernie, of course, it's worth noting, covered the Lions for years. So you know he's going to have a ton on the big game tomorrow against Tampa as well as, of course, the late game in Buffalo and the two games we saw on Saturday. Jason, one topic we just haven't gotten a chance to get to because of the 49ers-Packers game and everything that went on today. What do you think about Bill Belichick? Multiple interviews with the Atlanta Falcons. I feel like everyone has the same take. Feels kind of weird, but it also feels like it's going to happen. What do you make of this? Remember what I said last week? We were talking about Belichick, and I said the Falcons. And at the time, it might have sounded crazy, and now it doesn't sound as crazy. Um, the multiple interviews thing is a little strange. You have two interviews, you have dinner, and you're doing the same thing with Harbaugh. That's the part that kind of caught me off guard. It's like, so you had these two two deals with Belichick, and it seems like that's the direction you're going and Harbaugh looks like the Chargers is going to happen, but you're going to meet with him again, too. I, I don't know exactly why, but I just feel like we're kind of in the win stage mm-hmm. right now. Unless Belichick, for some reason, doesn't want to do it, it just seems like he's going to be the Falcons coach. And I, I don't know why you needed to meet with him a second time, but Arthur Blank, maybe he's trying to be a little bit more detail-oriented here. And maybe he had to think about something that was said in the first conversation, wanted to sit him down and talk to him again about his philosophy and how much control he's going to have. And I mean, we don't know why necessarily, but 
um, I guess you want to make sure you get this thing right. And I guess you also have the time to do this because of the playoffs and, and certain coaches and all of this. But it does seem like a lot of formalities at this point to get to the Belichick ending that we're all expecting. Speaking of a lot of formalities, Los Angeles Chargers have interviewed everybody. Like yep. I think they're a day away from calling me and you and just saying, "Hey, can can you stop by the facility?" Just... Oh, I talked to him yesterday. Did you? So oh, wow. I did, okay. no, I did a I did a Zoom interview yesterday. Okay. Yeah, they didn't tweet that one out because they've been tweeting out a lot. Uh, just today, how about this? They interviewed Raheem Morris, who's of course the defensive coordinator with the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Also, Ben Johnson interviewing today. Do by the way, do you have any? Pr- I saw a little bit of this pushback. They also apparently interviewed Aaron Glenn today. Busy. I, I, a good thing you got in yesterday because they were they were jam packed today. I saw a little bit of pushback. I don't know that it was a ton about uh, Ben Johnson interviewing for multiple jobs the uh, the days leading up to this NFL uh, NFC divisional game tomorrow against uh, uh, Tampa. Do you have any fundamental issue with, with guys interviewing uh, in the lead up to these games? I can understand why you would. But I also understand what these guys are going through, and the cycle has already begun. And you don't want to just turn them down, and then every job goes away, and because you've been really, really good, you lose your opportunities in a few of these spots because they get antsy and they make the move before you could make it. And as you're going to have a problem with it if the Lions' offense comes out and is terrible against Tampa Bay. As long as they come out and they still look good, I I can't imagine why this matters. This only becomes a hindsight is twenty twenty kind of armchair quarterbacking after the fact. Nobody's going to care that he did a bunch of interviews for they come out and look great against Tampa Bay. But it becomes the thing that you knock if their offense sputters against the Bucks defense. I, I'm with you 100. percent I I don't have I don't have any fundamental issue because it's just the way it is. And and by the way. If you remember, they used to do the thing where you could interview, but you couldn't accept until there was a certain mm-hmm. point. And then, of course, Josh McDaniels interviewed with the Indianapolis Colts. They thought they had him, and then they couldn't formally hire him until two or three weeks later, and he ends up taking another job. So I guess you could push off the entire hiring process until either after the Super Bowl, after the NFC, you know, after the championship games when you have that week off. I don't know. But it also feels like why are you going to make teams wait another five, six weeks? Really quick, because we only got about a minute left. Harbaugh, I mean, you know, multiple interviews with the Chargers. Obviously, as you said, he has spoken with the Falcons. I don't want to say that I think that he's coming back to Michigan because I don't know that I do. I do think the percentage is probably higher than I felt probably, you know, this time last week. So any thoughts on that? No, I mean, last week I predicted, and I'm sticking with it, he's going to be the Chargers head coach. Um, I don't know what all of this is, if he's just kind of accepting some more stuff or if the Chargers are trying to kind of keep this thing close to the vest or they're, or he's trying to use some leverage to get some more money out of him. I have no idea. I still think he's going to end up as head coach of the Chargers. So I, I, I don't think – you could be right. You definitely could. I'm going to stick by my guns. Tell you what, find out 
all next week uh, as some of this stuff should come to a resolution. But you know what? We got to go. want to thank the crew, producer Pat, Lorena on the board for Steve DeSager and my partner, Jason Martin. I am Aaron Torres. Make sure to download the podcast. Trent Williams of the San Francisco 49ers joined us just minutes after their victory over the Packers. Download that podcast. Also, stay tuned. Bernie Fratto of the Bernie Fratto Show follows us. That's next. Fox Sports Radio. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app.